hello and welcome to episode number 100, no, 200, all right, 229 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today for a long, meandering, and very funny conversation is author Alicia Rye. We did a live recording in person, so we start by talking about my relative professionalism as a podcaster, and I show her the setup I have for live recording in person, which is pretty rad. We talk about sexy times in romance, her new series with Avon, how writing in romance uh, informs and influences her dating life. We also talk about the pressures on women to meet various expectations, the idea of unrealistic expectations from romance. And as a bonus, we talk about inclusivity, sensitivity readers, and diversity, and my cat totally interrupts by yelling about it. It's always great when my pets interrupt the podcast, right? This episode is brought to you by Kensington Publishing, and they would like you to know about USA Today bestselling author, New York Times bestselling author, U.S. Navy veteran and genre pioneer, Lindsay McKenna's new book. She is bringing readers the second book from the Wind River Valley series, Wind River Rancher. With her signature military heroes and Western romance settings, this distinguished author's finest talents combine in an engrossing series about searching for the true meaning of love and freedom within the wild expanse of the American West. Battling PTSD as Shailene Crawford attempts to turn around the Barcy Ranch as a home for wounded warriors, she finds an unlikely sympathetic ear in former Marine Commander Reese, who is battling demons of his own. Wind River Rancher is available wherever books are sold. And I have some compliments in this episode. This always makes me so happy. I have three compliments to give out today. Man, these are fun. Okay, here we go. Olivia, people around you know that when they need you, you will always know and say exactly what they need to hear when they need to hear it. To Kathy, the best parts of your personality and your smile are contagious in the best way, especially the part where everyone around you has a good hair and makeup day without even trying. And Jennifer G, if your personality were a blend of tea, it would be everyone's favorite, it would sell out constantly, and it would be called Straight Up Awesome. Now, if you are wondering what's going on, or you were thinking, I could totally use a random heartfelt compliment, this can totally happen. Have a look at our podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches. With monthly pledges of as little as a dollar, there are various rewards, but most of all, you would be helping me keep the show going, keep it most awesome, or as awesome as I can possibly make it with pet interference, and help me upgrade equipment and commission transcripts. And if you've had a look or you've pledged to help the series, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I'll have information at the end of the show as to who this is. And of course, as usual, every book that we mention will be in the podcast entry at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast or at our iTunes page at itunes.com slash dbsa where you'll find the most recent episodes and books to the iBookstore. So if you are an iShopper, you will like the iTunes page for the site or the, or the podcast or both. And now, without any further delay, on with the podcast. I look like a professional. You look like a super, super. This is like not super professional. Super not super not a professional. This is super professional. Like, I know it's an not. Amazon box, but it looks super professional. Well, it's an Amazon box that I stuck foam in mm-hmm. with spray adhesive. Very I got cool. So high. Oh my god. Very cool. The spray adhesive. Okay. I Better than a whip it. So don't be nervous. It's really easy. Let's do it. All right. 
You want to introduce yourself? Sure. You can be Sarah if you want. I'll be Alicia. Oh, okay. That would well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. Okay. The levels on this are hilarious. Okay. So, um, I'm Alicia Rye. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay, that's good. Pretty, pretty sure. I hope so. Uh, I write contemporary erotic romance. The or, you say. Or sexy romance. I don't know. I, it might be erotic. Isn't it weird it's how weird. it's hard to define yeah, it? Yeah, it's super hard to define it now, and I don't know why. But So I write, I write something with good sex in it. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and that's what I do. Super sexy times. Uh, some super sexy times. And, uh, lots of sex. Lots of sex. And um, I, I've written a couple of other things, but right now I'm, I'm mostly focused on contemporary. And I'm on Twitter a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's about me. That's so, about me in a nutshell. The cover of your book just came out. It it's did. super hot. I know. Seriously super hot. I know. And... As usual, Zeb is digging a hole in the carpet while I record. That, That's I, cool. Somebody, someday somebody's going to do... How do you... Can you edit that out? <laughs> like, no, what do you do? I just leave it... Like, I would... You worry about it. And then I got email from people like, no, we like it when your dog messes oh, up the show. And you I'm know, like, okay. it's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of soothing, that, it's like, really, digging noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And sometimes I'll get the cat, like, headbutting the, 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 <laughs> the microphone guard. But it, at some point, somebody's going to do a bingo game of, you know, weird shit that happens during my podcast. Like, cat takes a poop, dog animals, digs yeah. a hole in the carpet. Thank you, Zeb. He's going to get somewhere at some point. But yeah, dog digging a hole in the carpet. So your cover mm-hmm. is amazing. I know. Super hot. I know. Gorgeous. I love it. Like, I hate her for her up, upper arms because they're super toned. They are super toned, aren't they? It's not fair. I got to write that into the book. Someone will hate her for her upper arms, I think. <laughs> she's got really, and she's got a beautiful neck. Like, that girl's pretty. That's a beautiful yeah. cover. So give us the, the synopsis. This book comes out in April. No, it comes out in, um, this book comes out in July. Ah, I was early. You were a little Damn bit it. early, yeah. But it's a, so it's a summer Stupid book. Stupid time. I know. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be, you know, really great and people seem really excited for it. But And we have brownies. Oh, we do have brownies. We have brownies. So we're going to chew while we talk. I don't know if the microphone is pick those up, but we've got brownies. Oh, yeah, that's good. Anyway. You know, somebody asked me for the elevator pitch for it uh, a little while ago and I, I said, um, I have weird elevator pitches for all my books but I said it was uh contemporary grown-up Romeo and Juliet without all the sad stuff meets hotline bling without all the sexist gross stuff okay and I feel like that conveys the book really well so you have a family feud so there's a family feud two people who are attracted to each other but shouldn't be Uh uh-huh because their families don't like it and they hook up Mm -hmm. quite a bit Nice. So <laughs> it's right. Okay. Doesn't that convey the book to you? I think so. Um, is there sexy food? There is some sexy food. Yeah, my I, my uh, <laughs> my Make this cinnamon bun sexy. Yeah, well, like I this this one has a cannoli. I think. Ooh, <laughs> is, nice. Yeah, I, I think know. someone was telling me. I think at, at Avon or you know somebody was was in. They wanted to do like a cannoli giveaway or something. I was like, that sounds perfectly appropriate for this book. <laughs> Oh, was, yeah. I think it was like a marketing person. They were like, oh, like some some blog or something. Like, Maybe we can do a cannoli giveaway. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good for this book. I mean, on one hand, from the blog perspective, it makes it hard to make it international. Right. I was like, how are you ship the cannolis? You like, ship them very quickly. But on the other hand, I do chocolate giveaways for, I've done chocolate giveaways for Laura Florin before. Yeah. 
And it depends on the season. Like sometimes yeah. they have to wait till it's less hot wherever the recipient is. Right. It's totally joking. I mean, but it's um. You so, can do blue apron. I think I can. You do, can do. I no. think I can manage this. Big but, old. You know, it is funny that like I can usually tell where someone is in any of my books depending on like when they tweet me like, oh my god, I'm craving like X Y Z, and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what book you're reading and what part of that book you're at. <laughs> so I did an interview with Loretta Chase, and she was talking about building sexual tension. So there's the small smoochy builds mm-hmm. the medium smoochy builds the big smoochies and then you have to escalate the tension so for you it's escalating food tension. <laughs> apparently yeah you start out with like some cookies yeah yeah and then we move into yeah, you brownies move into, like, the, the, and then you head the for cannoli more, you gotta move into the more complicated desserts I think and then you can make it work. right the ones that are on yeah. Instagram right. sped up right, the right. recipe takes like, like 12 hours damn, like oh that is like yeah. that is some payoff there <laughs> but yeah so there's some there's some sexy nice. food there's um well, so the actual, the book is about um, a hero and heroine from, from two warring families, basically. Um, the families used to be very good friends, and they were business partners and everything. Something happened, you know, it sort of all went um, upside down, and the two of them who were dating as, as young people and young lovers were torn apart. Right. They couldn't be together anymore. Is the thing that tore the family apart something that's discovered, or do you talk about that in the first book? Uh, it's in the first book. Okay. So, so it's not like, we don't know what happened. No, 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 no. no. You, they know why Oh, they'll, they know. Like, you'll know by, like, chapter three. Okay. <laughs> like, exactly why they... Maybe even chapter one. Because um, it's harder to do the other thing, to sustain a reason why people uh, can't talk it and is sustain really, the mystery across books. It is really hard, and for something like this, where it's big enough that um, it, it split them up, I think right. you need to sort of know in advance. So Because right. otherwise um, they look stupid for being like, Right, okay, like why, why are you, you saying, Mom? No, they have uh, they have very valid reasons for for breaking up and, and Ouch. Um, yeah, so it's it's like heartbreaking, right? But they can't really stay away from each other. So every year um, they get together uh, for one night. They will not talk to each other. They just wherever you know they happen to be in the world, they'll get together for that night and they'll have sex. That's it. They hook up. Is it always the same night? Yeah, it's always it's always the same night. It's always like the anniversary, like of her birthday, basically. You know, they they it's it's her birthday. They you know, do it on that day. Wow. So he, yeah. And so, you know, they have some fun and, uh, but that's, that's all they do. Like, and this has gone on for like a decade and then she sort of has to come back to town and that's where the book picks up is, you know, her, her back in town in his life. And where does it take place? It's a fictional town. Oh, well, so it's not like an actual city. It's a no, no, town. it's a, it's a fictional town in, uh, in New York. Cool. In like upstate westernish New York. Cool. Yeah. So it's Buffalo. Nope. <laughs> it is Buffalo. It is, it is a. It is a fictional town. <laughs> in, uh, in upstate in western cold, New York. In a cold New York City. Where it's, and, that, and that part of western New York and western Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from, a lot of that has a lot of very Midwestern it doesn't attributes. <laughs> like, it's a mid-Atlantic state with a whole lot of Midwestern yeah. culture. And yeah, I was telling someone, pockets. like, a, a lot of western New York is sort of Midwestern and oh, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Western Pennsylvania yeah. is like that, too. But it's, you know, and so, like, you know, the whole sort of town kind of knows their business and stuff. And, but he, and he's, like... You know, they were prominent citizens in this town. They were both extremely wealthy and, and you know, before the whole thing happened. And um, and now he's very wealthy and, you know, their family is well known. They Everybody knows about the feud and what happened and uh, what tore them apart. So it's, you know, it's it's a lot of, like, discomfort on a lot of levels for her. And right. She sort of has to navigate, like, you know, she's got a, a strange mom and, you know, her, like, best friend is still there. And it's, it's a lot to her for her to get through and um why did she come home uh that part's sort of a spoiler <laughs> okay, well, okay, never mind. Yeah. 
Never mind. So she, she comes home. She comes home basically because um, you know there's sort of a, a, a something. Something happens. Something happens, and she so whatever she decides is, that she needs to come home to deal with non-related to him, like stuff non-related right. to him. So like, whatever it is that's happening is enough to get her over all of this bullshit that's going right. to be so unpleasant for her to be there. Right. Totally get it. And to to sort of lay to rest mm-hmm. this other part of her past, even if she can't uh, lay him to rest, even though she's laid him quite a bit. Well, <laughs> you know, it happens that way. And she really does think she can, like, you know, just maybe ignore him or, like, you know, not see him too much or something. So it's it's um, it's um, sort of like a coming home, but uh, a reunion, hotline bling, Romeo and Juliet. No. So, it's two people who, so it's two people who are super intimate physically but are utterly not intimate emotionally. But have not been, yeah, emotionally intimate in a very, very long time. Interesting. But the emotions are there. They're just, like... You know, they're not robots. Because it seems to me that in a lot of, um, especially contemporary romance, and in other subgenres too, you have, the, it's the inverse. You have emotional int- intimacy that leads to physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. And the physical intimacy doesn't happen until the emotional intimacy is established in some way. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this book, the physical intimacy is always there, and the emotional in- intimacy is actually more difficult. Right. And it's very complicated. Because it's not there. Yeah. it's. I mean, because it is there... It is there in a way that they can't show it to each other. Right. Like, they've decided, they've made this rule, like, by themselves, you know, saying, if this is all we can have... Then this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. But we both have to maintain these boundaries. But we have to maintain these boundaries. Like, they can never... Like, they can't be in other relationships when they meet. Like, that's sort of the ground rule. And so, like, they've gone 10 years without getting into intimate relationships with other people because they want this one night with each other. So, like, you know, they might have like token relationships here and there but they can never really allow themselves to emotionally commit to another person because they just have this band-aid go right because it's like important and it's like a wound that never really heals then it's just a band-aid they're ripping off every year me i know isn't it i'm a mean person you're horrible i know you're Uh, terrible they'll be happily ever after (laughs) just gotta get through the sex and the the, angst you gotta get through all this angst now and And like their families are still like at war it's it's very like and it's the worst when you have in real life and in books when you have the parents who don't like whoever it is or the yeah. parents are trying to influence the choices you make, yeah, yeah. especially if you're close to them. Right. That's tricky. Right. And especially, I mean, you know, and for the hero too, he's got a very like well-developed sense of responsibility and, yeah. you know, he feels responsible for the company and for the, his sister and for, you know, everything that goes sort of around him. And, and you know, he just figured like it was it was selfish for him to try to, you know, Keep her, and, right. and so he didn't, and and he just sort of grasped whatever he could in the meantime. So, There's yeah, that. it's gonna be high angst. It is high angst. So we'll see. I, I do like writing these angsty, sexy. Um, well, books. you you often write one character who is super super angsty, and mm-hmm. then the and the other character is their intimate intimate uh, the the inspiration mm-hmm. impetus. That was what I was trying to go for. The impetus to figure out how not to be. The curmudgeonly cranky, reclusive, crank ass yeah. person. You know, I, and I think I do tend to do that. And I was actually telling someone, like, I had a lot of trouble writing this book to begin with. because, um, And I realized finally what the problem was because I was starting uh, the first chapter with him. And I almost always start, I think, you know, almost exclusively I've started my books with her. Like, huh. point of view. Like, because I alternate. But I always, usually, sorry, I'm eating a brownie. 
Right. <laughs> you know, I'll have to like give away brownies for this episode. I think you might have to. The brownies are delicious. Sign up for um, some brownies, or at least you know, if you're abroad, some brownie mix. Yeah, we'll send you some. We'll send you some Giardelli. <laughs> A big Costco box. It's got like six crazy <laughs> yeah. brownies. Oh. But yeah, no, so I usually tend to, I, I think I usually identify really well with heroines. I think they're, uh, um, not that they're me, but they're easier for me to sort of get into their heads a little bit. I think that's true for a lot of writers, though, that they I write one so. gender or one side or Particularly one particular, well. yeah. one particular emotional complication right. better than the other. And, and this hero in particular is very, um, he's very emotionally distant. Like he's not, like he tries to you know, maintain significant control over himself and um, he's sort of like obsessed with keeping order and, right. and patterns and, you know, making sure everything's sort of in a row and, and starting with him was hard because it's like you have to start with someone who's not uh, emotionally vulnerable or like open Who, or anything. He thinks he's got it all under right, control. Right, he thinks he's got it all under control. And, he and then it all goes to hell. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the romance novel. Yeah. So, so it, was, um, it was difficult in that way, but I, I think that... Um, but yeah, this book is is it's a it's a departure for me in a lot of ways. In that, like, I haven't really like I write families, but um, this is sort of a big sweeping story, and, and yeah. every book is gonna have basically the same character. You know, like the same characters are. It's very tightly interwoven. So the is it, these two get their happy ending in the first book, right? And then they have siblings. Well, yes, they each have one sibling, so convenient. it makes a convenient trilogy. <laughs> it's the best when they've got a convenient doesn't trilogy, it, doesn't it? And so. Uh, so the second book will be um, her brother and her, or she and her brother are twins, the heroine and her brother, uh, Livy and Jackson, Jackson's her brother. Um, they're twins, and he um, has been just gallivanting around the world, uh, or it looks like he's just been gallivanting around the world. He's actually been doing stuff. Um, and he comes back home as well, basically to help her, because he's right. also estranged from the mom. Um, but he just comes home because he's worried about her, and... Uh, he realizes that he still has feelings for his um, widowed sister-in-law, oh. who was their best friend growing up, like the twins, you know, Livy and Jackson's best friend growing up. Um, and and she married she married their deceased now deceased brother. Um, oh, so forbidden. Just a little. Just a little. So so that book is going to be the second book. And you know, it's funny if I had two reader requests. In the last, I want to say six weeks, I have a terrible sense of time, from people who wrote to me and said, I am a young widow, mm -hmm. and I'm looking for romances where someone is widowed and their their former spouse is not horrible, they just no. are no longer alive, and I'm going to move on with my life, and mm -hmm. it's going to be okay, and I'm, I'm having a hard time finding yeah. romances where there's a person who's been widowed and they start over. Mm -hmm. And I, and I realized that part of the problem is that romance has this incredible emphasis on the one. Like, there's the one right, person yeah. for you. Which, you know, there could be more than one. Mm -hmm. It is possible. Yeah. To, you know, have two profound relationships right. with people. Or, like, more than two. But to have young people going through. Yeah, like, and, you know, they're, like, 30. Like, yeah. You know, like, they're young. And, and she, you know, she had ups and downs with her, like, her marriage. And, you know, their brother was... Um, you know, well, their brother will get explored in the in the stories too. Right. But um, but yeah, like she's a young widow. She's got a kid. You yeah. know, like and and she loves her kid, and you know, it's, it'll be. Uh, and she's just like a. She just uh, seems like a very pragmatic, practical person. Right. Well, not, you just gotta get on with it. Yeah, and who's just like ready to get on with it, and you know, it's it's 
um, but I think I, I, I'm I'm writing that book now, and I'm really I'm excited for it. I think it'll it'll be a really good follow up. So. Because that's sort of like that deals with grief as a conflict. It does. It deals with grief and anger. Um, you know, like leftover feelings that never really got resolved, and, right? And also like all these feelings for someone who you didn't really see as a love interest. You know, like this was her like Jackson was her best friend growing up, and right? Then, her brother-in-law, right? Um, Which is not, it yeah, doesn't add, right? Sexy doesn't add sexy easily, times, and no. then he he was just gone. Like she didn't see him forever, and you know she was she's mad that she didn't see him forever because right. they were best friends, and you know he just sort of left her, um, and she doesn't know why he left her. So it's you know it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of angst, a lot of angst, angst. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So that'll be. I, I'm I'm really I, I think that'll be. Uh, you know that was the book that I was sort of like. When I conceived of this whole trilogy, I was like, I, you know, there's always one book where you're like, I can't wait to write that book. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I I'm love the first cry. book. It's I love the first book a lot. Great. But the, you know, the first book, it's it's a lot of it was like laying the ground and stuff. And but I like, you know, and I love the couple in the first book. But I was always like, man, I cannot wait to write like just this trope, like <laughs> falling for you, like well, falling for someone you shouldn't, you should never even right. think about in that way is like a really cool. I, I like that idea. And like, there aren't a lot of things in contemporary settings that where it's like kind of taboo-ish, you know? Right. There like, aren't a lot of taboos left, right? And some of the ones that are being explored in published books now kind of give me the skis. Yeah. But you, you, you don't have a lot of boundaries between two people who want to bone. Right. You could just bone. Just bone. <laughs> like, like, just swipe right and get all the yeah, yeah. Bone, no, it's fine. but it's like when it gets like emotional and complicated and you've got like all these intertwining histories, then right. you know, it can make it. And you got a kid. You know? yeah. There's a lot of things that can make it. Makes it, it hard. Yeah. And it's, it is. No pun intended. Right. And that book in particular, like I was thinking about it. Um, so the heroine in that book is, is um, Pakistani and the hero is... Um, Japanese and and you know native Hawaiian and and his grandfather was in you know was in an internment camp and you know and so all that stuff is sort of going to come out in that book and I was like man like what a timely oh just a what little. a perfectely timely unfortunately <laughs> uh, terribly unfortunately unfortunately but, um, like it's it's helping me sort of like work through some of my my thoughts and you know um, feelings about our current climate. So hopefully when people read it, they'll, you know, it'll, it might help anybody at all. I'd be, I'd be very pleased because it is very, um, you know, I didn't plan it that way and I never, you know, you don't really think about all that stuff when you're, uh, I mean, I did think about it, but I didn't, I didn't think that all this other stuff would be happening be in the world. A, it wouldn't be such a present. It wouldn't be such a um, present idea that yeah. people are talking about as yeah. opposed to a right. thing that happened. Right. And, you know, and, and the kid is, is, you know, Japanese and, and and Pakistani, and you know he's got sort of all that history on him, and you know, it's, so it's just a lot that I think that um, uh, you know, my books are are almost never about like like the race or like you know all that stuff, but it's always sort of there, you well, know, and it's it's almost impossible to ignore it as if you are part of a, a culture that is a minority, especially mm-hmm. in the U.S. It informs a lot of the things that you do, even in very and that's what ways. it is. Yeah. So you're working on book two. I'm working on book two. Do you know about book three? I do know about book three. It's going to be. Um, uh, I can't tell too much about book three because it would, I think, get into book two a little too much. But um, ah. but it's 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 his the hero of the first book, Nicholas. It's his sister Eve, and um, uh, you know her. This, 
her her um, story. Her story. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, but that'll be good. That that's a little bit out still. Um, but yeah, so so book one and book two will be. Uh, I think book two will still be out in two thousand seventeen. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Maybe uh, might go a little bit into twenty eighteen, but I think. But I think it should be. Um, what is it? July. July is such a long time. Yeah, it'll be. It'll be like around the new year at some point. Ooh, so this time next year. Yeah, probably there will be more books. There will be more books. This has been like a heavy writing year for me. Just um, a little, yeah. Yeah. So I just turn the heat on. Oh. Because <laughs> the yeah. thermostat's over there, and I don't oh, want to walk. That is so cool that you have like the. That yeah, it's cool. what's really cool is that we're coming home from being out. Oh, you can say I can turn it. I can turn it on before we get home, That's and the really heat nice. comes on. Yeah, it's oh, it's nice. a little bit of nerdery that my husband was like, "Oh, I can't wait to get this thermostat." That is very like, cool. Is that the nest? Yeah, it's very cool. He's like, "I love this thing." Yeah, very cool. It's pretty cool. Okay, so you had a very heavy writing year. Extremely heavy writing year. Um, so I haven't been releasing a ton, and and I think that's. Um, okay, particularly because this has been an insane year for everybody. <laughs> Just a little. Um, it's been it's been a weird year. Uh, you know, I think for for everyone, it was a rough year for um, me for sure. You know, just great professionally. Difficult know, personally. Difficult personally. You know, they don't usually sync up. They never sync up. It seems, and you know, so it was. Um, it wasn't easy. I think to to hit. Um, you know, it was sort of all I could do to get keep like my bare deadlines together right. <laughs> when it came to writing and it was like a you know it was you know family family stuff and you know I'm like I'm a woman in my 30s who's dating so that's traumatic always and you know and oh just a little so there's always there's always lots of stuff going on and the thing I and I do not have the the luxury of this experience because I met my husband in high school but very lucky I know. Lock them down early. (laughs) Honest to God. Like, the both of us look at, like, our friends were single, and we're like, we would be so bad at that. Yeah, you, everyone is bad at that. (laughs) Oh, we would be so bad. It's terrible. But at the same time, you tell stories about the guys you meet, (laughs) and, like, within 10 minutes, somebody's like, oh, my God, I read that guy. I know know this guy. I read about him in three different books. The number of times, like sometimes I go out on dates with men and I'm like, in my head, I'll go like, oh yeah, like you're the man whore. (laughs) Or like, oh yeah. Oh, you're the, you're the new adult hero. You're you're the hero who has no emotional fluency whatsoever. Yeah. Like I, and they're kind of like, I think like there's, you know, like there's like a, you know, there was. Some guy, like, you know, said something like, you don't seem phased by, like, the, like, whatever weirdness he was putting out. And I was kind of like, in my head, I was like, well, because I've read you. (laughs) (laughs) I've read you. I'll probably write you at some point. But but I'll do it better. (laughs) What's more interesting is that you've read that hero. So you've read their journey to happiness. And you have to decide, do I want to put in all that labor? Well, that's the thing. You know, you think about it for a second. And you go, am I the heroine? Who can do this? And most of the time, the answer is no. <laughs> because it's like, like, look, I can't bless that woman, whoever she may be. But this is not, know, no, 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 it's not me. <laughs> so I got my shit together. And especially, I, I mean, especially, look, look, listeners, never ever fall for like the new adult hero. Oh my <laughs> god, like, he's good to read about. He's good to read about. You're not. You'll never be the heroine. <laughs> that story. 
It's an unattainable. It's an unattainable. Like that is totally unrealistic. And it's, and it's funny. I've I've met two varietals that I'm equally baffled by when I've read New Adult, which mm-hmm. I admit is not much. You have the young person who is incredibly emotionally mature, like this young dude oh, yeah. who has the full emotional <laughs> understanding of himself, like a forty year old man. <laughs> he is just emotionally whole, complete, like. Everything is perfectly in mm-hmm. order, and he is emotionally whole. And I'm like, okay, come on. <laughs> I have not met a single man of this age range who can. I mean, come on. Yeah. If he is, he's probably like the Dalai Lama. Right. Come on. And then you have these women who have incredible patience, and just this. This person treats you like utter shit, but you truly believe in the good in him. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I can't. I yeah. I can't. I can't. I mean, and that's the thing. And I don't mean to pick on, like, new adult. Yeah, all right. And, like, old school and, romances. And, and, and even in general, like, you know, you don't want the alpha. Like, and I tell young women this quite a bit. Like, listen, take it from me. <laughs> Let me be your example. Like, you don't want the alpha hole. You don't want, like, you know, you don't want these guys. And that's the thing. I think I have, like... I've been reading romance since I was 13 and I know like people think like, oh, that makes you like, oh, all hearts in your eyes and like, no. but I'm like, no, it actually makes you so practical and pragmatic when it comes to men because you're like, you, I, in my head, I slot them into a category and I'm like, yep, that's what you are and this is what I'd have to do to fix this. I can't do that. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if it's me, but I'm like, maybe I'm just really lazy, but like, no, I think, I think it really is like, no, it's no. always, yeah. I, it's so amazing to me how often this comes up now when I, when I look, yeah. women are expected to do the emotional labor. We are always expected to do like I, and there's been a number of relationships where I'm like, you know, and I do the emotional labor. Like I, you know, I put, oh, you it. just default do it. Like, I don't even question do it. Like doing I, it. I do, I make sure that like, you know, I ask him out constantly and make sure that he knows that I'm really into him. Like, you know, and, and you do all this work and you just think, and at the end of the day, sometimes it still doesn't like, it's still not enough. Like I can go, nope. I have been in relationships where I've gone like, I, you know, and I, I know there was one guy, like when I broke up with him, I said, look, I went 80% of the way. You gotta meet me at least twenty. Yeah. Like if you can't meet me twenty, then I can't do any. Like there's nothing no. more I can do. I cannot like go all the way with this because like at a certain point, right. like I'm not getting anything out of it. Right. Yeah. So it is. It is like yeah. Dating. Dating is very strange, and you know. What, but I think it it does help to have have this like weird romance background where like, you know, you can. Granted, you meet things and people that you would. Um, Cannot slot into anything. Oh, yeah. And, and then you're like, just sort of like, oh, gosh, I'm glad this is like, just a coffee This is date. just weird. Like, you're just a weirdo. And you're just kind of like... This is not going to gel. Let's yeah. eat food yeah, and let's talk about And sports. let's end this date in like 90 minutes and let me go home, yeah. you know, and, and that is, and it is... I'm ready like, to not wear real pants. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, um, you know, I, it is very hard and I was trying to explain to my older sister who's... Like, been with her husband since she was 21. Like, they started yeah. dating when she was 21, and they got married when she was, like, 25, and now they've been together for, like, 90 years at least. I don't know. Um, but they... <laughs> How old's your sister? She's, like, four years older. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. They, they've been together for a long time. They got a lot of kids. I don't know. So, you know, I was trying to explain to her, and she was, like... Because I was trying to explain, I showed her, like, you know, dating apps. So she yeah. showed her Bumble and Tinder, and I was, like, this is, like, how you use that. And she was, like this is very stressful. I'm like, but I haven't even like, I was like, I haven't even told you about like going out on dates or anything. Right. But that's the first hurdle. Yeah. She was like, they're there because they're interested. And she was like, 
there must be a better way. She was like, there's a better way. She was like, I, th- I feel like you're doing something wrong. And I was like, no. Listen. <laughs> no, you're doing it right. Those people have already said, right. I'm interested in these parameters. That's I'm why like, I'm on I understand. OK like, Tinder yeah. Bumble, <laughs> Bumble Match Christian. Exactly. Mingle, right. Yeah. yeah. Farmers only. <laughs> you know, like, have you tried Farmers only? I have not tried Farmers only. I mean, I know I we did. live in an urban area. <laughs> I did not Because I, I listened to the traffic report. Right. But I'm thinking... I, I don't think I do well farmers only. <laughs> Unless it's like some billionaire farmer who's got like a house in New York. I can just go live in while he, while he farms. I don't know what. Like a gentleman farmer. Right? Do those exist? If those yeah, exist. in like 1830. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> I think that's the only farmer I could do, maybe. But um, but no, so she was like, You're like, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna like no. and I was like, listen, you no. figure this out, we'll monetize the hell out of it. <laughs> there's literally like eight million women in my position oh my right gosh. now. Like literally millions of us who are, you know, and it's like you know, Have you like read all the single art. ladies? Oh, single ladies. No, I have not. Oh, holy shit. Okay. I'm actually gonna break my rule and while I'm recording Actually, no, I'm not going to do that because it's going to make my memory card go, what? Why are you crazy? We're not doing that. <laughs> okay, so this is one of the, yeah, my my, uh, my recording software was like, what are you doing? <laughs> crazy woman. All right, so All the Single Ladies is easily one of the best books of the year. Ooh. Um, and it is Unmarried Women and the Rise of an Independent Nation. Mm. Um, New York Times notable book, Boston Globe, NPR Best of 2016. It is an investigation into the sexual, economic, and emotional lives of women. The journalist who wrote it, Rebecca Traster, figured out, realized that the proportion of American women who were married below dropped below 50%. Mm. And the median age of first marriages, which had remained between 20 and 22 for nearly a century, rose dramatically up to 27. Mm. And so she did a ton of research examining how when women are given options outside of early heterosexual marriage, mm-hmm. the results through history have been massive social change and massive changes. Mm. And so now that we have a generation of women who are skewing older as they start to look for partners, yeah, yeah you need to read this book. It's going to blow your mind. Okay. All right. It's going to be awesome. Basically, what it means, what it says is, there is nothing wrong with you. You are not alone. That's nice dating to hear. Is, <laughs> dating is fucking hard and freaky and... It's very difficult to yeah. meet people. Yeah, it is very difficult. And, you know, the older, not even the older you get, but, like, you know, the more you leave school behind and, you know. Forced proximity forced with people. Forced proximity with people. Like, you know, yeah. I. The way the world is right now, you don't have to leave the house or put on shoes right. or pants. Right. Like Ever. And that's the thing. I don't. Like, I work from home quite a bit. And, you know, I, uh, I, I like, how, <laughs> my sister said, like, just go to coffee shops. Like, I mean, so I got, and I was like. No. I was going to in a coffee shop. Everyone's so like, working on their novel. My, my sister goes, just tell the guy to take his headphones out. I'm like, what are you? No. <laughs> like, she's she going to write the opposite she's, of that article? How to get a guy to talk to him? He's got like, his headphones like, on? Like that magazine article. Like, she's like, yeah, just like mime taking him out. I'm like, you're like that guy. <laughs> like, no. But it is it is very different for like, you Which know. Which is completely counter the emotional labor that you're supposed to do. Because <laughs> we're supposed to read this signal and say, oh, clearly he doesn't want anyone to talk right, to like, him. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. He doesn't, he's got his headphones in. It's cool. But I'm Why like, would I bother you? <laughs> I'm like, and I was like, you know, you don't understand. Nobody does that at like coffee shops. You don't just go up to someone and say, "Hey." Coffee like, shops are—they're not like what it used to be. Like, nothing proximity. is what nothing is what it used to be. Like no. everything has changed dramatically in the last even two years. I have a theory that part of it is that interacting with people is hard. 
yes. and difficult, yes. and you don't naturally know how to do it. Right. And so there are certain certain circumstances where you do learn, like you're in college or you live in a dorm, right? Or you're you in go proximity to school to every day. Yeah, you see the people like, every day. My son's in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. He is learning some hard ass social lessons mm-hmm. because middle school is awful. Yeah. Oh, it is. But I also explain to him regularly that there are grown ups that don't know how to deal with the things that he deals with, yep. and he's not the only one. And he's not. It, this isn't something that just happens. Right. When you're 11 or 12 years old. Right. 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 Interacting with other people who are different and awkward and have their own baggage is Mm -hmm. really, really difficult. And the way technology has changed a lot of people's lives, if you don't have to, you're not gonna. Right. You know? And that's sort of where it is, where I'm like, well, I I can interact with humans perfectly fine, but the problem is those humans are not out and about (laughs) where I can interact. You know, so it's kind of like, well, where are the humans? The humans are here. This is what I have to use in order to... Bowling alone. It is very much like a... It's a a circle, right? It's like a circle of like, you know, these are the people, these people use this, I have to use this to get to them. And, you know, it is... And that has changed dramatically. You know, somebody was asking you about like... I seem to have become some sort of like guru on online dating, which I am not like, I've become like an expert. Like people seem to think I am an expert and I'm not an expert at all. I've just been doing it for a while because I'm a glutton for punishment, but you know, it is, I'm I'm a very, and I'm a very optimistic person, which is like, I thought the book was glutton for punishment. Yeah, that is true. Oh God. Yes. That is true. I am doing it wrong. I'm not following my own book. But it is, um, it, it is, you know, I'm I'm both um, terribly, I guess, just like masochistic and also incurably optimistic about love and and um, you know relationships. So it, it turns into this thing where um, I've sort of tried everything. And, and anytime someone comes up to me and they're like, "Oh, you know," they come up to me like online or whatever. They're like, "What should I do?" Like, I'm I'm thinking of starting online dating, and I feel like. Like, I'm like that old guy in the bar with, like, the long no, beard. No, 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 no. <laughs> Where I'm like, pour there. me a whiskey and we'll talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll, I'll tell you about I'll the tell dark you, I'll tell you about, like, what's going on. And so, like, I'll, you know, I'll be like, well, don't, like, you know, it, it changes. Like, you can't do OK Cupid and Match anymore. Like, that is old school because nobody uses those anymore. So you get, like, weirdos on there sometimes. Like, it's, it's like, it's changed so ra- Every year, it's, like, something new. Like, oh, like... Now we have Bumble. Now we have the league. You can't really get on the league because it's waitlisted. I'm number 6,000, by the way, in D.C. to get on the league, which is, like, super exclusive. If anyone has a VIP ticket they want to send me, they can do that. <laughs> it bumps you up the waitlist. Um, I am so, telling you. Like, there's there's all sorts so, of stuff. So look at the larger picture of irony there. It's an app for meeting people. and You can't get in. <laughs> I know. And so they're selecting a very narrow group of it people. It is. It is weird. And like then there's there's Hinge, which you know sort of feeds off your Facebook friends. Like you know, it's it's um. And then there's like and Tinder, which is like the the universally accepted like hookup. God only knows what you'll get. Sort of hookup app. <laughs> yeah. I know people who have like relationships off of Tinder, but you know it could be it could go either way. Like it's you know it's it's like oh uh, which I, is which is all of dating. You know, like especially for women, you, you can, could. Yeah, I, I I like to say like anytime I go on a date, like I'm playing the you know the game show like 
is he awkward or is he a serial killer? <laughs> like it could go, yeah. which is the worst game show in the world. Because you're you playing, you by don't really yourself. win either way. <laughs> like there's no, like maybe he's awkward. Oh, it might be adorably awkward, but it could be also just weirdly awkward. Like, you know, awkward. Like, it could be yeah. terribly awkward. Oh my god! So it is. It is. It is the um, the worst part of dating. Like as a woman, I think if you're if it's like you know heterosis, like it's 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 just this, you know, you it's. It's like a grag bag of cop could be murderer. Like, you know, like your, yep. your, your consolation prize could be murderer. Like, it's, oh, it's very yeah. scary. Like, it's intensely. Um, and yet you have, you know, 50, 60 years ago, you, you hear a lot of stories about people who met and married the person who lived around the corner. Yeah. Lived in my building. Yeah. She lived across right? the street. Because you're, you're, you're in proximity. Your, your universe yeah was small right for a lot of people it never really got any bigger right now the universe is huge like i can talk to people all over the world right right now that makes it much more difficult and i think for a lot of people like to get it close to people and i you know i'm i'm very conscious like i read you know aziz's book and everything like i i you know i know like i'm not one of those people who will just like serially date not settle down or think that there's something better out there for me or anything but there's a lot of those people out there and Mm -hmm. you know it, it makes it even more challenging then. Well, to... I mean, you have spent a lot of time building your career, uh-huh. getting your shit together, yeah. and arriving at yourself. And that's the thing. Like, I do have my... I feel like I have my shit together. <laughs> and I just... You know, it is... Um, it's it's sort of... But it is just difficult to not only find someone who also has their shit together, but also, you know, you're compatible with. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's a lot. Like, it is... Um, it's a tall order. It's a tall order. And, you, and know, you know what's weird? So many women get accused of harboring unrealistic expectations due to romance. Right. Whereas it sounds like what you actually have is realistic expectations. Oh, I have incredibly realistic expectations. That aren't necessarily being met because meeting a fellow adult Mm -hmm. in the spheres in which you're looking has proven... A a compatible adult has proven to be very difficult because it's difficult. Because it's it's just difficult. And like you think about it, it's always difficult. Always. Always going to be one of those things where it's like sort of a... um, and it's always a surprise when you meet somebody of any gender where right. you're like, oh, we get along. Right. Like yeah. in two minutes. I mean, I've definitely Ooh. like gone on, I've gone on dates with like, you know, and I've been in relationships with, with men, like, and the, you know, I wasn't really like super excited to meet them or anything and I'll, I'll meet them and I'll go, oh, okay. okay. Like there's, well, we, we mesh. Like, oh, that's, that was unexpected. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it is, it could be anywhere and, you know, you should be open and all that stuff, but it is, um, it is sort of like a, it's like a lightning strike, you know, like. It's very rare, even if you meet in like college and whatever grad school, like it's hard to sort of make that work. And, um, you know, we put a lot of pressure, I think, on on women, especially on their clocks and their bodies. And oh, their, yeah, you're you supposed know, to like, do this. Like, by this X is time. the time, like, you have to be married by next year, <laughs> like, sort of thing. And it's, um, I, you know, I, I, I sort of, and I, you know, you have like it's not, it is partially cultural i think it's oh, partially it's very cultural um, but it's also it's also just our society at, at large yeah. you know like and it what is, our value is as females right so what we yeah do. Is, is i remember and, i graduated college when i was 21 and i remember being terrified because i felt like okay yeah you got your degree that was the thing you had yes. to do at yes. this time period okay right. now you've got your degree you now before 31, you have to get a job, find your career, get to find a person right. to be with, get maybe get married, maybe have kids. And I went to a very small women's college in the South. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of women who graduated and got married the same summer. Right, yeah. And the following, you know, alumni news, we mm-hmm. had many, many, many babies. Yeah. And, that, and that's 
perfectly normal and awesome. Yeah. And I was terrified because I wasn't there. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And I even had a boyfriend who I ended up marrying. Right, yeah. But I was still like, I, I You're figured nervous. all that out yeah, 10 yeah. years? Yeah. I just figured out my major like a year ago. Right. I can't make these kinds you of know, decisions. There was a, a great interview somewhere with Tracy Ellis Ross from uh, from Blackish, and, and she said in there, some, I'll paraphrase, but, you know, she said, it takes us forever to find the right pair of jeans. Why do we put so much pressure on women to find the right man? Damn right. <laughs> I, like, I yeah. still haven't found yeah. the right pair of I, like, jeans. I, I just kind of found a pair that I don't mind like a couple months ago. But I'm like, that took me 30-some years to do that. So, right? like, you know, why why do we put all this, like, like this idea that, you know, um, okay. And it's, and it's on the woman. It is on the woman. So much. And, and a lot of it, you know, like, they tell you, like, okay, well, if you're single, just sort of work on yourself and, and you know, and all that. Which, which is... You know, somewhat okay advice. Like, you know, you should you should always work on yourself. But it is, you know, it ignores, it tells people, like, oh, don't worry. Like, when it's you're your, in a relationship, you won't have to work on yourself. Or right. like, And the subtext and, is, you aren't ready. Right, you aren't ready. You're like, something, it's you. Like, you know, and... and, and other I'm, than dating is really fucking hard. And other than dating is hard, and it's really hard to find someone who, you know, you're compatible with in a lot of ways. And, um... And, I, and I, you know, I, I tell people, like, you know, if you're single, like, that's cool. If you just want to stay single, that's cool. Um, but don't feel bad if you want a relationship, too. Like, you can have, you can have it all. <laughs> like, you can't. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to worry. Like, if, if that's what you want, like, whatever you want is valid. What? If you don't want a relationship, that's cool. If you do, that's cool, too. Like, and if you're really sad that you're not in a relationship, that's okay, too. Like, it yeah. is, it is, you know, it is nice to work on yourself and, and still have someone to cuddle with at night. Like, I get that. Like, that is, but it's perfectly valid for you to, you know, and, and it's, it's you know, this is what feminism is all about, is that you can have whatever you want, right? And, you know, yeah. um, you know, and, and so I think, just don't, like, because I, I talk to some women sometimes, and they're like, oh, man, I feel, like, guilty that, like, I kind of, you know, I've got a great life, I've got a great profession, and but I still want someone, and I feel like, you know, I, I shouldn't, like, I should be working on myself. And I'm like, yeah, but no. you can, like, it's okay. You can want someone. Like, you can it's have feelings. Much like having feel, much <laughs> like having feelings. It's like having feelings. Desiring like, oh, connection with right. other humans like, is also a normal. Yeah, it's yeah. also a feeling. And, you know, and, and sometimes romantic love. You know, like, you can have a lot of great people in your life. And maybe, like, if you crave romantic love, that's okay, too. You oh, know, yeah. like, you can, you can do that. And that's oh, yeah. okay. But it's, you know, not enough people, I think, tell you, like, it's okay. Like, you're okay. Like, it's okay. Like, you can be really badass and awesome. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have whatever else you want. Like, you know, and that doesn't make you less badass. And, you know, it, it won't make you less awesome. You should keep working on yourself. And, you know, like, and, and it's nice sometimes to, you know, I, I read this book that um, was fantastic. It was about uh, different types of personalities and how they attract. And I can't remember the name of the book, but I'll, if I find it, I'll try to give it to you. But um, it was about how, you know, you can you can go have a relationship um like, you can still do all this great stuff, like, you know, and everything. And, and the nice thing about a relationship is that you have sort of, like, a secure base. Yeah. You know, like, that's, like, you can go be badass and do all this great stuff. Because and you're safe. It's like, it's it's the Stedman to Oprah, right? <laughs> like, you can be Oprah and still want a Stedman. And, you know, like, what an appropriately named man, by the way. Like, right? <laughs> totally. Like, you know, or great, or, or, you know, like, what's her friend's name? Like, <laughs> Oprah's friend. Gail. You can have a Gail. Gail. <laughs> like, whatever. Like, Gail. you know, whatever whatever you want. Oprah's really got it all, doesn't she? <laughs> like, well, or so it seems. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, um, so yeah, it's, it's, 
it's just really hard. It is really, really hard. And it's, it's harder now, I think, or maybe it's just different kinds of hard because we have so many, you know, and again, I was talking to my sister and she's, it's just like the perfect case study, like the two of us uh-huh. of, of like two opposite cultural two, experiences. Yeah. Two exactly opposite cultural experiences and, and life experiences. Um, and she is like a badass doctor, right? Like she's got like three practices and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like when she's got it all together, but, um, I'm a mess, but you know, like in a lot of ways, you know, but no, no, I'm not, I'm good too. We're, we're both successful in different ways, but you know, she's, we are like polar opposites in, in a lot of ways. And so wait, you wait, know, hold on, you have an excellent profession. Got a couple of professions. And you're a, a published author. Yeah. No, no, I'm good. I, it's, you know, you never really shake that, like, childhood, like... Oh, totally. ...feeling of, like, my oldest, so much better than me. Yeah, so <laughs> older sister, younger sister. Like, you know, like, oh, man, like, we wish we never had the same math teachers, because, yeah. like, that was always a problem. But, um, but no, like, it is, uh, it is, like, that older sibling, like, oh, she's so good at everything. Um, but no, she was saying, like, oh, man, if I had, like, if texting had been around when I had been dating I would never be married or in a relationship because I don't know and I was like that is true like it is you have to be like text compatible now like that is a thing like it is uh, text compatible if you will (laughs) like you have to be and you know it's a language it's a language it's a form of communication and I was telling someone like a couple months ago like man if if like contemporary romance right authors like or books like if if I wrote it like realistically like the black moment would just be like someone not returning a text fast. It would enough. be it would be a little <laughs> speech bubble would, with three dots. It would just like no, no perpetually. Like, what or or would be just, like it would be like the two blue checks and then no response. Yes. <laughs> like that, oh like that would be that would be the black moment That's right now. It's heartbreaking. I, I someone like some guy was like, "Oh, are you on WhatsApp?" And I was like, "Nope," because I didn't want to get those two checks. I was like, "I cannot know if you read my text. You don't understand." It's like the I will go crazy. Version of return yeah, receipt requested. I'm like, no. I know you saw my message. Like that's message. the thing. It's like, how do you take? How does it take you two days to respond to something like that? Like, takes you two minutes to type out a response oh but it my is God. like it, think about it like that level of compatibility like you didn't need to worry about that and because <laughs> it's a casual relationship you don't know how to read right there like, is in the beginning no cue think about it like none. most of your relationships like if you if you're starting them online are written yep and text course, has no nuance and text, text has no nuance like you can use emojis but how far can you get with them <laughs> like at a certain point I don't know the bacon and the eggplant get me real far <laughs> just saying but, yeah, the eggplant know. and the peach have gotten me have gotten me far too but yeah. like you know it's there's a certain point where it's like you know, and, and after a while that evolves and stuff but that first like couple of months where you're like feeling how each do other I read you and like how do yeah. I read you why aren't you texting me like I'm texting you like and and you know I'm not putting genders on either of those things because I have definitely been the person who either um you know text more or text less depending yeah. on you know the guy or whatever so I've read not, articles about people who are like okay well, if it took him six hours to text me, then I'm going to wait 12 to text him. So I take the amount of time, and then I double it, and then I do math. And, and you know, I was and like, I'm, you're I'm, doing math. I've never I've, – I've been with, I think, some guys where I'm like, oh, he, like, learned that from a forum or something. Like, that's yeah. – like, he's playing a game now. But there's like, a pattern. There's a pattern to, like, I've what you're doing. I've seen the Fibonacci sequence Yeah, I'm like, I deal. It's like, five. yeah, okay, it's like next time you're going to win. The equations yeah. in front of my eyes are flashing. I'm like, I know what you're doing. But it is um, – Fibonacci <laughs> <texting>. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like – 
I'm not like that. I, I'll, I'll like text when I get it or like when I can right. respond to it. But you know, sometimes it depends like how or how busy I am or if they text a lot at first and I'm like kind of freaked out by that. You know, like it is, it, there's a whole secret language that didn't exist five yeah. years ago. And, and it's, it is weird. And what's interesting, what's interesting for me because I'm raising boys mm-hmm. and we constantly tell both of them, you know, having feelings is normal. Mm-hmm. And you are going to get a lot of messages that as a boy, you're not supposed to feel things. Right. That's bullshit and it's right. damaging and it's overwhelming that yes. that's going to be told to you. But I'm telling you, it's good. you're normal. It's good to have feelings mm-hmm. and it's good to know what they are and it's good to know what to do with them. Right. Because walking around having a temper tantrum like you're two when you're actually 27 right. is not appealing. Right. But my older son has a cell phone and he's now getting his own text language together like he's i'm watching him learn it yeah and so like i will text him things and he won't respond and i'll be like dude and the first thing is sorry sorry i didn't respond right and and it's always like you Oops, know it's sorry. like oh man like i just got busy like, right but, but in your head you're like <laughs> dude i asked you an important question involves like, my amazon involves yeah. my amazon two-day shipping order so i'm watching him learn texting yeah. and i'm watching him learn to talk to his friends and i'm like at some point he's gonna start talking to girls and it is gonna be or boys i don't know mm-hmm. it's going to be intense because yeah. that is a language that i don't use for intimacy right. whereas he will use it for right. intimate conversations yeah. I mean, my I think my brother in law only like texts four people, and it's it's like us. It's like you know, it's like his wife and his in laws. Like that's it. And whereas all of my friends are all over the place. Yeah, I text friends in California. I text friends down south. I have running like group texts that that have. I'll get like 900 texts a day, you know, like, and, and I, I respond to all of those. Yeah. You know, like I'll read them and respond and you know, that doesn't even phase me now, nope. but like, um, but it is, it's a different, it's just a different world. It is a completely different world. And so it's very hard and it's okay and you're fine and find the right pair of jeans because yeah. you want your butt to look really nice. You want to feel good in your jeans. You want to feel good in your jeans. Yet another person, and maybe they're weird. Right. But when you're writing romance, Mm -hmm. does the disconnect, is there a disconnect between the world that you're writing and the world that you're living in? Are you writing an idealized or better constructed version of reality for your characters? Are you. What an interesting question. Is there a disconnect? I mean, it would be easy to say, oh, well, clearly they're very different. But I think negotiating intimacy with new people is perpetual like mm-hmm. everyone everywhere in the history of humanity has always had to figure out how to negotiate yeah. varying levels of intimacy with people you know when you're inventing people yeah it's um I don't know if it's idealized I, I think it is pretty true to life you know I haven't um I think there have been some dating apps in some of my books I feel like there yeah. have you know I don't think anybody's met off of one yet but I'll probably write that at some point um it's too real. Too real. <laughs> yeah. Too real. You know what would be really fun? A self-published short story anthology that is romance by text message. Ooh. Romance through. I mean, pages. I do. I do have. Um, I do have one. One of my books. Like a lot of my books, especially now in this past year, I've. I've um, and even my upcoming book with with Avon, you know, hate to want to. It's it's. There's a lot of texting in it. Because well, like yeah, that's, that's you, a language. It is a language, and it's it's just how you communicate now. You don't pick I mean, up the phone and call anyone. <laughs> like you text them, right? Do you remember AOL Instant Messenger? Right. Brrr, yeah. <laughs> like, Brrr, no, no, nobody uses that anymore. anymore. Yeah, you I, text someone. When I was an adjunct professor, and I was I was teaching kids with learning disabilities, and I almost wrote my master's thesis on the fact that 
so many of my students who had varying levels of disability when it came to writing mm -hmm. in Microsoft Word or writing on paper had zero problems texting me through mm -hmm. instant messenger. Like yeah, they could write yeah. me a perfectly organized, right. logical argument. Mm -hmm. And then when they tried to write it on paper, it was not bad. Right. And I realized that my theory anyway, was that the instant messaging and the texting is activating a different part of your brain. If there's a speech oh, part and a writing part, those two don't always mesh. This mm -hmm. is, this is, the, the, the research that I did was wildly out of date, but at the time I was having a real good time with this theory. And so we, when you're accessing the parts of your brain that manage speech, it's a different set of inhibitions, mm -hmm. which is why you'll see people who say things that they would never write down or write things they would never say out loud. Right. There's, a, there's an inhibition between those two. Mm -hmm. So if you're circumventing the inhibition or the problem that creates issues when you're writing something down with something that is more like talking than writing, mm -hmm. for many of the students I had, it bypassed all of their issues to the point where... The spelling was wildly inconsistent, mm -hmm. but the logical progression of argument that they couldn't make on paper was very, very evident. And so now it's like everyone is speech talking. Yeah. And it very, you know, I, I dated this one guy who was just terrible texting, like really, really bad. Like <laughs> so bad at it. Oh my God. It's like you don't even speak English. And I was like, stop it. Like, stop. <laughs> just stop texting me. So like, it was funny because after like I was scrolling, you know, I had some messages like on my iPad and I was scrolling through them. Because I'm a glutton for punishment again. And so, but I was, I was reading through this, and I realized, like, the, for pleasure, right? Yes, yes, of course, for pleasure. And, <laughs> and so, uh, you're right. I get enough people who are like, I love your book, Glutton for Punishment. And I'm like, that's a very different book. <laughs> <laughs> I have not written that hardcore uh, BDSM. <laughs> Maybe that is the secret to happiness while you're dating, be a glutton for pleasure. That might be it. But it, it, it was like, I, I realized, like, the last few texts that I sent him were constantly like, can we just talk on the phone? Can we just talk on the phone? Aww. Can we just talk? Because I was like, I'm, you're much better on the phone. And it's like, Aww. let me just talk to you in your language. And your language is on the phone. And, yeah. you know, my language might be. My language and is I'm, not on I'm the phone. I'm like pretty ambidextrous. But like, you know, I, it's probably best if we just talk in the language that you're better at. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it's. Uh, uh, wait, what were we talking about? Oh. Oh, writing. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it is. Um, I don't think it's an idealized world, but I think it is. It's just different facets of our world. Yep. Which I think is, you know, because people still meet. Like, yep. It's their neighbor that they're spying on. <laughs> you know? and, and of course, it's a romance. There's like some level of fantasy in it, right? Like, you yeah. probably will not peep on your neighbor and then fall madly in love with him. Well, I hope. I hope you do. <laughs> but, you have a really hot neighbor, but like, um, or you will not be in this like decade-long feud with someone. But... But, uh, and you know, that's storytelling. But I think the challenge with contemporary romance is that um, your world rules are already laid out. Yep. It's not like paranormal where you can kind of like write your way out of something if you have to. Yep. Um, it's not like any, it's not like any other really genre where, genre romance where you can like tweak things a little bit if you, right. if it's The convenient. rules are already The written. rules are a little bit more flexible, but like. Or you're creating the rules, but in contemporary romance, you know, there's there's parts that are just it's so hard because you have to be like, well, this is the world that my reader lives in. Yeah. This is a world that my reader knows. Am I reflecting that world? Right. Or do I need to set this book in the '80s so they don't have right. a cell phone? Because they have a cell phone, <laughs> yeah. they would just like call themselves an Uber. Yeah. And get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you know, do you know about Ubers? <laughs> and like, you know, do you know about all this stuff? Like, this is the world that um. 
Yeah, this is the world we exist in now. Yeah. Is like so, so much if you have, if you're writing like a thirty something year old, you know, character in a contemporary romance, they have to act like a thirty something year old character in a in a contemporary, contemporary romance. In a contemporary world, and you know, and that changes. Like obviously, like there was the guy who couldn't really text me well, you know. Like, so there, you might have that, but that those are you know. Then you go like, oh my god, I dated this guy who couldn't text me. You know, like it's like you have like things like that that pop up. So, yep. um, but that's like. But then that's that's sort of like the anomaly in yeah. that world. Like for me, that's an anomaly. A guy okay. who can't text me is like the anomaly. The anomaly, not the norm. Is that that's a language that most people have grown accustomed to at this point? I think so because you know you it's the millennial sort of you know mindset. Even if we're like I I don't know what I am, but like you know cusp cusp. I'm the cusp, cusp of generation. Gen- I'm the cusp of Gen X. I think I'm like one year. I'm technically a millennial, I think, but not. Oh yeah, millennials are in their thirties. Yeah, millennials are in their. People 30s. always think millennials are like graduating yeah, college. Yeah, and I and think like, no, I that's think some so. other group like, of it people. Is, it is. I, I don't think we've named them yet. Actually. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we'll name you. We'll name you, and, and then, we'll then we'll blame poop you. Poop all over you. Shit all over you. <laughs> like, you blame you for everything. In trouble on everything, but oh, but it is yeah. like yeah, it's it's you know like that uh that thirties like um someone said something to me and I I said like they were like thirty five and. And I was like, yeah, well, men of your age say that. And I was like, we're like, you know, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm not a millennial. I'm like, yeah. Like, I know you don't feel like one, but like. Millennials are in their 30s. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm technically a millennial. I grew up with a lot of Gen Xers. So I'm, I feel like I can traverse both. So but, you have uh, some flannel. I have some flannel. I, I wore grunge stuff. Wear a lot of black. I, my, uh, I, I I couldn't get rid of my six hole Doc Martens. They oh. are such shitty shape, and I love them too much. And you know what's weird about Doc Martens? They are good shoes. Suck in the snow. <laughs> they're like, terrible. You think you would think with this big sole that no, yeah. they are ass in the snow and ice. You do not want to wear Docs in the ice. They just. Whoop. Off you go. I did not have Doc Martens only because my mom thought they were ridiculous looking. So I was not. But she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Still awesome. Yeah. All right, so last question. What books do you recommend that you have read recently? And it's okay if they're not out yet because we'll Were we be... supposed to talk about diversity at all? You want to talk about diversity? Should we? Yeah, sure. Okay. It's a thing. <laughs> I heard it's a trend. Let's so do it. What do you think will be the next step in the, in the discussion and push for diversity within romance? Like, what do you think will start to happen in the next year? Here's what I, I, I hope happens. Um... I hope what happens is that we stop thinking about diversity as a trend, despite our jokes. Um, no. Only because <clears throat> I think we're at uh, we're at a very sensitive time in our current. <laughs> yes. In our culture and in our uh, in history and um, you know when we look back on this time, I think we need to. Uh, 20 years from now, I think we need some good things oh, God, <laughs> to come so. out of this. Someone someone was saying, like, you know, you shouldn't be political if you're, if you're an author or, like, whatever business person. And, uh, uh, and look, look, I mean, for you and for your kids and for me and, you know, for, for a lot of people out there, just sort of being alive is an act of, oh, yeah. of politics. And it's because we've conflated, I think, politics with um, the right to be a human in this world and to um you know to marry who we choose and to walk down the street and not get killed and you know to 
well, um, just exist. And so not being political means not challenging somebody on the things that they're doing that are right. harmful. Right. Which is, and that, are, that well, are harmful to either to either you or to people you care about or to anybody in this world who you don't want to, you know, like right. why, why harm people <laughs> at this point? And so it is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I do talk about politics and so far as, insofar as that politics have somehow become, you know, more than just the IRS and, <laughs> and our various, yeah. you know, government agencies and stuff like that and tax cuts. I mean, it's become, um, it's become a question of, of if culture and people society live, and, you know, and respecting uh, yeah, other people's humanity, respecting people as, as people. And so, you know, when I think about the diversity trend or whatever it is, you know, I think, you know, before the election, you could just sort of roll your eyes at it. Now you're like, okay, no. And I really think, you know, where we are now is sort of a direct result of what we haven't done and what we haven't accomplished in in creating empathy for all sorts of people. And I think that, you know, there have been a number of studies and I'm, you know, I often link to quite a few of them and I've read them, you know, they're, I'm a smart chick, they're smart studies, you know, like they're, they're good studies, they're solid studies that show that, you know, media showing good representation of various people, various types of people of all races and, and orientations and whatever creates empathy in people. Yes. Even if they're not exposed to those people on a daily basis. So we're talking TV, we're talking books, we're talking movies, right. creating good representation. I think the, the key word there is good because they've also found that showing negative stereotypes of people, confirming biases against people has led to decreased empathy towards those people. Right. And, and narrow portrayals that diminish that person's humanity and make them into a, right. a service or a plot device right. or a, a role more right. than a person. I mean, and, and Denying it really people is... the complexity of being human. Right. And, and, you know, I get it. Sometimes, like, those confirmation biases... I mean, we've seen in this election play out how confirmation biases uh, can can lead to money and presidencies oh, and <laughs> all sorts of things. But, um, but, you know, and it's it's not comfortable sometimes to have those confirmations uh, challenged, you know, like, or have those yeah. biases challenged. But, um, but I really think, you know, and I think what hopefully people will realize is that those good representations are, are, are what the world needs. But I think the, the challenge is really, you know, think about who your audience is and uh, I think sometimes when people write these negative stereotypes or they write reductive characters, they write reductive yeah. characterizations, you know, you write, you write this character who is, you know, I'll take mine, you know, you, you write the Apu's, um, you write the guy who owns the gas station, who's Indian, or you take, um, or he wrote, he, you know, he has a taxi or he's whatever, you know, like you, you're putting a person of color of a specific culture in a context that is overly familiar reductive stereotypical and right. limiting and and that might be very comforting for some of your readers but um but you have to think about the readers i mean i think when people do that and i've seen a number of, of books where um where it's a stereotype right yeah. like it's a stereotype come to life and they just fall in love with the stereotype and, yeah. <laughs> and then it all plays out with the stereotype um, and those books are are feted you know like they're they get great reviews and they get awards and they get lots of um yeah, they get money. Like you get, yeah. like those authors are rewarded for those books. And and you know, at a certain point, I can't tell you not to make a living, but at a certain point, I think you have to think about the thing. Uh, to, you, to, to quote Glenn Weldon from NPR, the thing that you thought you made is not the thing that you made. Right. You know, whenever I write any character, I think if a person who's represented by that character, if they read this book, 
Uh-huh. How are they going to feel? Wilbur really Is that your cat? That's Wilbur. <laughs> um, I think his brother has done something that he doesn't like. He is going mad. To, he's going to yell about it. He might come downstairs. And yell? Holy he cow. Might yell, yeah. That is a very loud cat. Oh, well, you know. He's he's a very large, loud cat with a lot of he, he has, Oh my god. He has a lot Wilbur, do you have things to say about diversity? I'm orange. Yeah. <laughs> he's got things to say. He's so mad. Yeah, or he's just talking. Hey bud. What's up? Hey cat. You want a water? You had food? Did your brother poop and didn't cover it up? <laughs> it's not a podcast unless your brother interrupts with a big crap. <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna be creepy on the stairs now. <laughs> he's just gonna, oh, he's gonna sit there and yell at me because Cats have a schedule. I'm supposed to be doing something that I'm not doing. Oh, oh, I love you too, buddy. It's nice to see. You. <laughs> I love. You. So the, the thing about romance is, for me, to quote what Emily Nagoski said on a podcast: when you write about women achieving sexual satisfaction, when you write about women achieving autonomy and independence, that is a radical act. It is mm-hmm. fundamentally revolutionary. Yeah, because just those aspects are incredibly subversive mm-hmm. even if you have a structure that is the most patriarchal foundation ever the fact that the story is centered on the woman and the woman is achieving self-actualization and making choices for herself mm-hmm. and getting what she wants getting what she yeah. wants yeah. including yeah. orgasms mm-hmm. that is inherently to varying levels depend on depending on the execution of it very subversive correct so I have unrealistic expectations, it seems, of romance that we can do better, that we can. We can. I, I it's really not unrealistic. Agree. It's it's not unrealistic in the idea that it can't be done. It's that it's not being done yet. Yeah. Like what? what what's, I, the, what's the hold up? Come I on. understand. And there there really should not be a hold up. And I really think part of it is you know like it is not easy. Like none of this no, is easy, right? Easy. Like this is not an easy cash grab. This is not like. And there's no. I'm gonna write vampires because it's on trend. You know, like. Cause, how many vampires can you offend, possibly? You know, like, many. Have you been on the internet? A lot. Lots of them. I've you know, is, seen their forums. You don't right. want to mess with them. Like, I don't mind if I if I if I offend a duke, like a regency duke, I'm okay with it. But if, I, but if I'm offending, you know, somebody who's alive who's reading my book, if I'm hurting them, I I feel bad. You know, I don't want. Um, and I think you just have to always assume that. Someone someone could be hurt by your book, and you do want. Are you are you ready to say I did everything I could not to hurt you? Yeah. And if you can't say that, and if it's a matter of like, well, somebody rubber stamped it and they said it was fine, you know, like it's not really like that's not the point. It's not the point. So. I struggle with the term sensitivity reader. You know, I kind of do too. I, that's why and, I don't and use I can't it because I'm of, like, it's it's a it feels off to me, and I don't it, know why. For one thing, I think it puts the we already have a negativity associated with the concept of sensitivity. I, yeah, I think even though we just talked about how feelings is, are normal, right, yeah, having them is yeah, normal. Yeah. No, no, being I know. sensitive is something that is detrimental to your health and happiness, and, and to your standing and your right. status. Being sensitive is not necessarily considered a good thing. Right. So having a sensitivity reader already casts that person's role at a, at a, at a detriment. It's yeah. already explaining that they have to. They have to be aware of something that, fundamentally, that they are reading with an awareness that they they and the person giving the mm-hmm. material to them accept is not a universally held awareness. Right. Which, that I get. But calling it sensitivity implies... Or maybe it doesn't imply it. Maybe I am just inferring you do, it. There is sort of like a... It feels odd to me. Like... 
No, no, I get it. Sensitivity, being being told, oh, you're so sensitive, is very rarely a compliment. Right. You know, it's right. usually a veiled criticism or an observation. Right, sure. Like, if you're convinced that you feel ghosts mm. everywhere, I'd be like, you're very sensitive. Like, yeah. You're aware of things yeah, that yeah. I am not, and thankfully, not aware of. Mm -hmm. But, like, my children will come home and be like, well, he said I was soft because mm -hmm. I'm too sensitive. And then I have to combat both of those words, right. you know? So it seems to... I, the sensitivity reader, it, I, I the, get it. You're saying it's not it, the like, concept, it's, it's the like name. It's, it's guarding against um, the two precious people out there. Right. <laughs> but, and that's but not actually day, what it's doing. End, right, it's not. And it's, and it's, it's advocating for fair and accurate and kind and, and inclusive portrayals, not making sure that people don't right. get their feelings hurt. And I mean, that's, that's also a goal, unless you right. want to hurt people's and feelings. And it cannot, and that's the thing, like, it, if you if you use, like, a beta reader or whatever, if, you, if you're sensitive to begin with, I think, um, like, you can't, it will never hurt your book. Like, how how can it possibly, how could it hurt you to have, to include more people in your readership Right, and to include a varying perspective on right. the characters that you're writing, especially right. if you are not personally fluent in them. And and that's the thing, like you know, I've heard people say like, well, um, if you write an Indian character, you like, am I limiting my audience to just Indian readers? And I go, what? oh, you should see my readers. <laughs> like I don't even know. Like I, you know, let's let's look through my Twitter and look at everyone's avatars and see how many Indians I have in there. I don't think I have a lot. And uh, or and I don't write only Indian characters. I write just across the board. Speaking in purely mathematical it, it, terms. And actually, it's not a bad thing. Just to have, just like, literally billions just of to us. Say, <laughs> like, it's not. In terms of pure right, math, right, that would bad. seem to be say just say hypothetically say it's a trend. Right. That would be a somewhat profitable trend. But the thing is, the thing is, you will never have that. You're going to have. You'll have all the readers then. Do you see? Like, if you write with an eye towards not offending people oh, yeah. who you're representing, you will have those readers, and you will not be hurting anyone. Yeah. And you'll be creating, like, if, if nothing else, you know, like, if that's your financial objective, like, you'll have the widest audience possible. It makes more sense. This makes financial sense. Racism and, and you know, all of our phobias make no financial sense, right? Right. So if you must be a business person... Let's look at the thing that makes financial sense. All right, so what you're reading? What am I reading? Okay. So um, I heard in the comments of a post today on my site that Alyssa Cole's upcoming book is amazing, and I haven't read it yet. Oh my god! <laughs> All of Alyssa Cole's books are amazing. Well, it's true. <laughs> like it is. It is. Um... Is it oh. true with universal acknowledge that Alyssa Cole writes good books? She's just like a perfect princess. She's like, she's, okay, full disclosure, Alyssa is one of my best friends, and but she became my best friend because I literally slid into her DMs. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> literally slid into them and was like, hey girl, <laughs> you read some good books. <laughs> Be my best friend now. Um, and, and now I get all of her books early, but, um, so she's got a couple of, of great things. So her, her last one was the Suffragette yes. um, anthology and it is like, okay, you love Let It Shine, right? Yep. Oh it's my good. God. Um, I think Redheaded was... Girl reviewed it oh, and I okay. got to read it and it is. Like my mind is being so blown even thinking about it. It is one of my favorite books. It's a novella. It's great. You should read it. It's fantastic. But, um, her, her novella. In They're the... in the club. Yes. <laughs> in the 20s. Um, it's a whole other kind of clubbing. Yeah. People don't realize the 20s had some 
stuff. Yeah, they had some stuff. But like, our, but that Suffragette Antho in general is pretty good. It's got like a, you know, it's got Kimiana and uh, Lena Hart and, and Piper Hughley. It's it's really really good. But um, but her her novella in it is just so good. So she's got. I've read it because I'm special. But she's got. <laughs> As yet unpublished royal series that I'm very excited about. And it's got, oh my God, the first book is like um, grown-up princess diaries. Like grown-up, like, oh, and super sexy and fun. It's like, oh, oh my God. Like, I can't even think about it. But so that is, um, that's hopefully... You know, that'll be published soon and everyone can read it because I've like teased everybody. You know, like, listen, you want royals? I got the best royals in the world. <laughs> and then her revolutionary book is coming and out. Her revolutionary book is coming out. An extraordinary union. Yes, an extraordinary union. Yes. Thank you. For me, it was well, there's a woman in a dress leaving a room. That, <laughs> that's, that's right. what I can yes, yes, describe. Yes. Extraordinary the cover. is excellent. It's a beautiful cover. It's a really it's gorgeous. Cover. That's coming. I don't out remember the word part. I just remember from the Kensington, part. I believe. Yeah. That is a very good book. And, and of course, Kit Rosha uh, just got their last book in the Beyond series out, which was very, very good. Um, and uh, she's got her upcoming. They've got their upcoming series coming out too, which I've sort of been reading. The first book is about a super soldier, so I'm like really all over that. <laughs> I love the super, like the, the cold, emotionless super soldiers. Best, best heroes. So that's your, that is that's my, your catnip. That is my catnip. That's yeah, like, catnip. oh, the Nalini Singh, like, sigh, like, hero type guy. Cold, emotionless. Cold, emotionless, like. But then he finds love. Complete control. <laughs> yeah, complete control. Because the because so, in the real world, the cold, emotionless people have no control a lot Correct. of the time. Or and there, there's a whole aspect of their lives where if it's out of control, they and lose you may not want to date them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but in a book, they are the ones that you have to do all the emotional labor. But in a book, oh, it's beautiful <laughs> to see that slowly unravel and yep. get torn apart. And but. I think that's part of what Sarah McLean points to as the feminism of romance: that the cold, emotionless male figure is taught that emotions and kindness yes they're taught that emotions are bad and then they learn that they are not and that they are human and that they um can actually make their life better and that the heroine is the one that transforms them into a more human human right or at least like kind of unlocks like yeah or just says like it's cool you can be human and and they nothing bad is going to happen nothing bad is going to happen to you if you're human I think that's like an important message for everybody to yeah. sort of take away. Cool. Oh, and I, I did read, uh, finally, it took me forever. I had an arc and I, I didn't get to it, but Sonali Dev's uh, latest book in her Bollywood series. Change of Heart? Change of Heart. Like, whoa. <laughs> right? It was really good. Um, and I, but, but, I did, it, like, but it ripped your heart out of your chest, your right? I, I, change of Heart is that your heart's going to change locations. It's right. going to be removed very right. surgically like, from your chest. Right. right. It was amazing. And I was I was like blown away. And what I really like about Sonali is like you know she's got the three books in the series. Where each one is so different. Oh yeah, so different. Oh yeah, the first one is like Harlequin presents yeah. on steroids. The second yeah. one is super angsty. The third one is just like like here's your yeah like let me take a let me yeah, let me take a knife and exercise. Yeah, all of your internal organs are um, going to take a little trip. But I I really like that one. And that is all for this week's episode. I know you guys like the longer episodes, so I hope you enjoyed that. And I want to thank Alicia for hanging out with me and bringing brownies because that was awesome. Doing interviews in person is slightly different than doing them uh, over Skype or over the phone. It produces sort of a, a very different conversation, so I hope you enjoyed it. 
Orville in the background right now is uh, seems to be in favor of the in-person interview and also is about to show up to chew on the sound box. What a good cat. This podcast has been brought to you by Kensington Publishing. and They would like you to know, A, that Orville is knocking over the drinking water. <laughs> Such a professional show over here. Kensington would like you to know about New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, U.S. Navy veteran and genre pioneer, Lindsay McKenna. Her newest book in the Wind River Valley series, Wind River Rancher, is out now. With her signature military heroes and a Western romance setting, this distinguished author's finest talents combine in an engrossing series about searching for the true meaning of love and freedom within the wild expanse of the American West. Battling PTSD as Shailene Crawford attempts to turn around the Bar C Ranch as a home for wounded warriors to heal, she finds an unlikely sympathetic ear in former Marine Commander Reese, who's battling some demons of his own. You can find Wind River Rancher wherever romance is sold. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is the Pete Bog Fairies from their album, Dust. This track is called Mark's Terrace, and you can find it online at Amazon or iTunes or wherever you buy your music. And you can also find it at PeteBogFairies.com. If you would like to send us an email, you want to ask me a question, or you want to leave us a voicemail, all of those things are awesome and possible. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. Or you can leave a voicemail at 201-371-3272. That is a U.S. number, actually Jersey, so that would be country code 1-201-371-3272. You can tell me about all the things you have to say or ideas for the podcast or suggestions or questions or you're looking for book recommendations. We take all kinds of email here because you are all very interesting. So if you are cannot contacting us, thank you. You rule. I also want to tell you about two things. One, we have an iTunes page and it's really cool. iTunes.com slash DBSA. And we have a podcast Patreon. If you are enjoying the show and would like to make a monthly pledge of a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, five, whatever, a month to help keep the show going, upgrade equipment and commission transcripts for the episodes that do not have one, I would be most appreciative. Current patrons are helping me figure out the schedule for 2017 and they have some outstanding ideas. So you're also helping me improve the show. So thank you for that. But most of all, thank you for listening and thank you for being here. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we have more discussion about romance because that's what we do. But in the meantime, on behalf of all of my loud, loud pets, Alicia Rye, everyone here, and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.